That movie sucked. I kind of liked it. Movie Night Crew Network. Dear Ron, and Harry if you're there, I hope everything went all right and that Harry is okay and that you didn't do anything illegal to get him out, Ron, because that would get Harry into trouble too. I've been really worried, and if Harry is all right, will you please let me know at once, but perhaps it would be better if you used a different owl, because I think another delivery might finish your one off. I'm very busy with schoolwork, of course. How can she be, said Ron in horror. We're on holiday, and we're going to London next Wednesday to buy my new books. Why don't we meet in Diagon Alley? Let me know what's happening as soon as you can. Love from Hermione. What's up, potheads? Welcome to the restricted section, in which a bunch of nerds with potty mouths reread the Harry Potter series for the umpteenth time and discuss how the story and its themes have stayed with a generation into adulthood. Thank you for listening. If you haven't done the reading, don't worry, we did it for you. Here's what we are talking about today. Chapter 4, At Flourish and Blots. This episode is going to be only part one of this chapter because we had a really good time with our guest and we talked a lot. Sorry! In the first part of this chapter, Harry is getting used to life with the Weasleys in the burrow. He's making himself at home, or rather, the Weasleys are making him feel at home. They're playing Quidditch and hanging out and doing chores, and Percy's acting kind of weird. He's always shut up in his room, and they get this letter from Hermione that is making sure Harry's okay and asking if they want to meet in Diagon Alley. And when the day comes for them to go to Diagon Alley to buy their school books, the Weasleys offer Harry some flu powder, which he's never used before. But the way it works is that you throw the powder into the fireplace and you say the name of the place you want to go and bada boom, bada bing, there you are. But the thing about fires is that they're full of hot ash. Whoopsies. So Harry jokes on hot ash, says the wrong thing, and ends up in a very spooky place that is definitely not Diagon Alley. And he's in this creepy shop, and the love of his life... Oh, I'm sorry, I mean his arch nemesis, Draco Malfoy, shows up with his dad, Lucius Malfoy. So Harry hides in a cupboard, and Lucius Malfoy starts dealing with the owner of the shop, trying to get rid of some of his possessions that he says may make him look bad if the ministry raids his home. And that's as far as we get in this episode. I have one prepared joke that I read on the Harry Potter subreddit today that is too fucking good, and I'm throwing it in. Why are you going to tell us ahead of time that you have a prepared <laughs> joke for later? Oh, you're gonna you're gonna know when it hits too. <laughs> you're gonna know it. It's so good. I'm glad your mic is working better today. For uh, me too. The disadvantage um, is the dongles. Yeah, yeah, all the dongles, yeah, all the fucking dongles. It appears. It appears. So far, don't just don't to even. Be okay. No, you said it's okay. <laughs> I said it oh. appears so far to be okay. You have oh, to okay. use like you have to use like old like Persian poetry language. Like you have to like you can't <laughs> say like I love this woman because like that's disrespectful to God. You have to go all the way around it. You have to be like if this were another day in another place, I might look at the sky and say today's a wonderful day because all is going according to plan. <laughs> if. If I were to go outside and look at the sky, <laughs> that is what I would think. Um, in other news, Persian poetry is crazy because it's all about God, but like, no, it's all about love and sex. 
Did you like just randomly take a deep dive in a library book or how does this Persian poetry come up? I have a literature degree. Okay. <laughs> this is true, but Persia, I think, is not a very utilized source. Well, they have some of the most beautiful ancient po- Persian poetry is like some of the most beautiful stuff in the world. And Let's look it up. Is that one poem about the mango a Persian poem? Um, it's it's like he comes once a year and fills yeah. my mouth with sweet no with sweet juices and it's like who girl your man no a mango <laughs> apparently that's like a whole genre of I want to say Persian poetry I don't it's think like, mangoes right. grow in Iran as it turns out mangoes do totally grow in Iran which I learned from an article called the Iranian mango pickle a marvelous mixture of flavors I will be investigating this further and I'll report back to you. Y'all know I love a pickle. It's definitely, (laughs) the poem is definitely about a mango, and it's definitely like a Middle Eastern to South or Southeast Asian. There's some blueberry poem like that too, (laughs) I think. A poem for every fruit. The poem to which Haley refers here is poem 74, He Visits My Town Once a Year, by 13th century Indian poet Amir Khusro. This kind of call-and-response poetry is a genre of Hindavi poetry called Kamukarni, traditionally sung by women about their lovers. You learn something new every day. Yeah, Blueberries by Robert Frost, I think, is a similar thing. <laughs> similar vibe. Yeah. Okay, let's get started here. I'll call the meeting to order. All right. H- Haley, are you taking minutes? Uh, am I supposed to be? <laughs> I'm write down time codes for editing. Oh! <laughs> uh- Oh, no, I don't write down anything. It's all just a headache for later. Sorry, later, me. You got a week to figure it out. (laughs) Oh, and I should open my book. Just in case. Page 394, is it? 394. We are all You guys are so my group. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the restricted section, man. Oh, it's great. (laughs) Anyway, okay. All right. So here we are. All right, we're going to like get serious now. Hello, this is a podcast. You are listening. Indeed to it. it is. Here you are. Yep. We're here too. Hi. Listening with your ears. To, to this their, podcast. To this podcast, which is the restricted section. Which we are on. Indeed. Hello. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Haley, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. How are you today? Pretty good. Andrew, cool. how about yourself? I am stupendous, Christina. Thank you for asking. Wow. Okay. Recording on a Tuesday makes all the difference because when we record on Wednesdays, everyone is completely brain dead. <laughs> <laughs> and our very special guest today is Daniel. Um, Daniel, why don't you tell us a little bit about your ha- very hairy history and tell us about what Hogwarts house you're in and just maybe like some fun stuff about yourself. <laughs> Hello, everybody. I'm Daniel. I'm not that hairy, actually. I have very little body hair, but that's okay. <laughs> you got that big beard, though. I, I do have the big beard, true. It's a good beard. Thank you. I appreciate mm-hmm. it. Um, so, so my Harry Potter history, I got on the books, I want to say at book three, uh, when book three came out. I have this very distinct memory of a girl on the bus. I still remember her name from third grade. It's Brianna Renix, and she had a book, and I think she was actually kind of being teased for having the book. And she said, like, oh, I have this book, Harry Potter. And everyone's like, Psh, nerd. <laughs> oh, like, no. Yeah. And I'm like, I got to check out that book because I was a very bookish kid as a as a kid. Um, not as much as an adult. 
but I went and got Harry Potter, and then since then I was at all the midnight release parties and everything. That's nice. awesome. What yeah, house yeah. are you? Um, so it's a, been a long journey, but I've come to the acceptance that I'm a Hufflepuff. <gasps> Our first Hufflepuff <laughs> guest! <laughs> I've embraced so lonely it. for I'm so long! <laughs> I started out as a Gryffindor poser like everyone else. And then <laughs> I'm like, you know, maybe Ravenclaw. And then I stopped taking ADHD medicines and I'm like, yeah, I'm definitely a Hufflepuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's good to be a Hufflepuff. Yes, for sure. Oh, friendship and magic. <laughs> um, well, that's awesome. I'm so happy to have fun. It's like so weird to me. It's always been so weird to me that I'm the only Hufflepuff. It makes sense that our podcast crew is really Ravenclaw heavy because yeah. nerds want to sit around <laughs> and talk about books. Yep. But like, and I guess it makes sense that I'm the facilitator as the Hufflepuff. But it does. you're the performer it, and the host and all that good stuff. Yeah, but yep. it has made me feel... Um, yeah, where's my where my puffs at? Hufflepuffs are definitely the theater kids, though. Oh, I was a theater kid, yeah. Oh, that's I, so true. I wish I was a theater kid because I came to my love of theater very late in life. Oh, really? Yep, then I'm just full-on theater kid. Absolutely. Oh, I love it. Yeah, I was a big theater kid in high school. I was behind the scenes. I did, like, set deco and stuff. Gotcha. Um, I even want a cappy, if that means anything to anyone. Absolutely nothing. Nope, probably. But there's like one person I hit there who's like, well, damn. Anyway, Harry Potter. So <laughs> before we get started today, I just want to quickly shout out a fan from Patreon, Taylor. They just messaged us on Patreon and said, hi, I absolutely love this pod. I enjoy having an hour of laughter every week to distract from the misery of modern America. Wow. Same, Taylor. Thanks for that. That's why I edit this podcast. I get more than an hour of distraction. Um, if you want to be distracted from the misery of modern America, consider starting a podcast. It takes up a lot of time. <laughs> Lots of people have been doing that in quarantine. Yeah. I, in my defense, I had this thought like way before quarantine. This it just true, happened yeah. to culminate as quarantine was culminating. But thank you so much for your kind words, Taylor. And thank you for your patronage. Also, happy late birthday to Harry Potter. His birthday was last Friday. Oh, so, happy freaking birthday to Harry. Aww. The boy who lived. We're so glad you did. Much shorter book if you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't, it just wouldn't have started. <laughs> <laughs> he was just another nameless the, killing. The, the boy who died. He died would, at the end. You know what? <laughs> Maybe Neville would be the title character. Oh, damn. That's true. Yeah. Oh, that Maybe Neville might have like an alternate universe. Oh. There's what not a fan fiction of Neville. There is. Oh, yeah, there is yeah. ample fan fiction. I'm telling you, as a as a former uh, <laughs> adherent to the Harry Potter fan fiction uh, universe, there's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> what I, a different journey that would have been. I don't think it would have made it past the first book. <laughs> well, oh man, he, he would have lost the Sorcerer's Stone. He had to remember. He would have gotten it relatively though. easily, but he would have lost the Sorcerer's Stone. <laughs> <laughs> He would Aww. need that remember all at all times. We'd meet yeah, Dumbledore at the top of the, uh, the the trap door. Dumbledore would say, Neville, you did it. Where's the stone? The his pockets. <laughs> oh, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Neville. You know what? If we're only on book two. His journey has yet to come. Yep. He's still the comic relief at this point. It's coming. <laughs> yeah. Poor baby. 
I know. Seriously, poor baby. Cool. Well, let's get into the chapter. This week's chapter is at Flourish and Blots. So at Flourish and Blots, so, but most of the chapter doesn't happen at Flourish and Blots. Actually, I think this is a pretty busy chapter. I had a lot of fun reading it. Um, I love this chapter. Dude, I'm so much happens. so glad. Yeah, it, yeah, a lot of stuff happens. So we start out nice and calm at the Weasley's house. It starts out with Harry being completely shocked that the Weasleys like him. Which is, like, so sad and beautiful at the same time. He says, uh, Mrs. Weasley's always fussing over his socks, and Mr. Weasley always wants him to sit next to him at the dinner table so they can chat about muggle shit. I really love how little Arthur Weasley knows about muggles for it being his profession. Like, there is definitely a thing in here that says, please explain to me plugs. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> hang on, do wizards not have electricity? You've got to have, like, something. No, I know you're a big candles fan. Well, if you no, think it's, it's oil. It's it's lamp oil. That's that's what they <laughs> <Nope>. have. <laughs> and if you think about it, this is really accentuated later in the chapter. Later on, we we figure out that there's some piece of something in Borgen and Burks that's killed like twenty some Muggles. Yeah, there's yeah. a whole department just for Muggles. Now we know it's only like three people, but you have someone like two people. Yeah, but you have. Uh, you, know, you have Arthur Weasley, who is the biggest Muggle fan possible, and he just, they can't find the shit. They obviously have no clue what is going on in the outside world. I also, like, it took me a while to come to grips with the fact that all this is taking place in the 90s. Like, anyone could easily be, easily just be at their house watching Prices Right or something like that, and, like, it's the 90s. Like, you would think <laughs> they would have some sort of touch on modern technology. Well, I was actually thinking the opposite. Well, I was thinking, like, if Harry Potter happened in today's society and Arthur mm. Weasley was like, please explain plugs, then, like, that's a really legitimate question. Because yeah. plugs is ju- are nonsense these days. <laughs> you can put a phone on top of a surface and it'll charge it. True. Also, USB, USB-C, what the fuck is that about? Let's be honest, Christina. What is that about? <laughs> My grandparents asked the same questions as Arthur Weasley. <laughs> At this point, they're not asking any questions. They're just saying, leave us alone. That portrait in the prime minister's office has not been awake in a very long time. (laughs) (laughs) They're seeing everything and they're like, fuck this. (laughs) Yeah, Arthur Weasley's um, grasp of muggle culture kind of reminds me of like, I don't know, like a scientist that specializes in like beavers or something. Like you can know a lot about them, but if you watch them, you're still going to be like, what the fuck are you doing? (laughs) Beavers are crazy. It's almost more like he's an archaeologist for like a culture that isn't dead, but like he's not a part of. So he doesn't, he doesn't understand it and he has no foot in the door. But he's also like a policeman because a little. it took me a while to realize what raids were. Like why are you raiding houses? So, I don't know what Arthur Weasley does, what his job description actually is. Okay, wait, okay, I got it, I got it. His um, his understanding of the muggle world is similar to Tommy Pickle's understanding of adults, <laughs> right? It's like, I yeah. see what's oh, happening, and I'm okay. like, and I'm like, doing what I can with it, with like, the context I have. I like that. Oh, he gets the words right about the same amount of times, <laughs> <Yeah>. too. <laughs> The meanie of Hanukkah. No, like, I can fully see, like, Tommy Pickles referring to electricity as ecultricity, which I think that that Arthur Weasley does legitimately refer to it as at one point in the series. I wouldn't be surprised, yeah. (laughs) I I think it's probably, uh, Tommy. (laughs) I think think their department is probably close to something like 
the Department of Agriculture, where they have a fair bit of power, but just no one to enforce it. Yeah, yeah so, I see like invasive artifacts and stuff like that. Yeah, every once in a while they'll get a lot of surge of support and they'll be able to go in and, you know, like the agri- Department of Agriculture can shut down like, you know, horrible farm- factory farming situations or puppy mills or things like that. But at the same time, they just don't have the resources to get it all. That makes so sense. I think that's probably a good analogy. Yeah. Something that I really enjoy about book two more as an adult than I did as a kid is that like book one just kind of set up like, like just Harry's story, just Hogwarts, just the kid's perspective. Book two is where we start seeing more of the magical world and like adults in the magical world. Yeah. And like it, it doesn't focus on it too much, but if you look closely, especially reading it as an adult, like you start seeing the politics you start seeing like what Arthur Arthur Weasley is doing. You start seeing like what the Malfoys are up to. You start seeing these power plays, like who's running the school, who's running the government, who does what, how does this society like practically function? And it comes up like throughout the book in really clever little ways, and like especially in this chapter. Yeah, uh, let's get to it. So Harry's having a good time at Hogwarts. I mean, nope, that's not right. Um, <laughs> Harry's having a good time at the Weasley. I rubbed my eyes for one second and went off notes, and I just got lost. Um, having a good time at the Weasleys. Um, fucking Ginny Weasley, like, can't even be in the same room as him. It's actually so adorable. I've said this before that, like, I just love, I love that they didn't go from being, like, cool young friends to being, like, dating. I love, I love that, like, if I were Harry and we were 35 years old and married with children, I would be like, remember that one time you put your elbow in the butter because you couldn't stand to look at my face because you loved me so much? <laughs> <laughs> also, I, I love them setting up the Ginny romance here and the Ginny crush. Um, yeah. It took me many, many years to realize that Ginny is short for Virginia. Not in this book. Uh, it isn't? Okay. Her, her name is um, G- Ginevra. Um, Ginevra. Ginevra. Oh, okay. In regular ass American English, Ginny is totally short for Virginia. So, so what is it short for in, for her name? Ginerva. Ginerva. I thought it was Ginevra. Ginevra. I think... <laughs> okay. This Let's do might it. be a classic cl- case of Harry Potter dyslexia, <laughs> because I also thought Prefect was perfect for the longest time. Well, that's just, like, <laughs> not... I Like, if you don't go to boarding school... The last thing I googled was, is it Tim's or Tim's? <laughs> I learned that it's Tim's. It's Ginevra. Ginevra. Oh, well, Ginevra. quick Google. Good job. You're welcome. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I mean, like, no, you know, nothing can be just, like, an easy fucking name. Of course yeah, not. Of course. <laughs> We've got Hermione. That, like, we, that set us up. Someone recently name. asked me if, um, if J.K. Rowling invented the name Hermione, and I was like, no, she just went way back. <laughs> it's, like, fully Greek. <laughs> yeah, it's a Greek-ass name. Um, and then, that same, who the fuck was this? So, that same person was like, what was Hermione related to Hermes? And I was like, great question. I don't think so at all, but great question. It might be etymologically related. Ed- exactly, etymologically. Um, but I think I think Hermione was human in ancient Greek mythology. Yeah. The ancient Greek Hermione was indeed human. According to Wikipedia, Hermione was, quote, the only child of Menelaus, king of Sparta, and his wife, Helen of Troy, unquote. So what I'm hearing is that Hermione was always destined to be insanely hot, and it's not Emma Watson's fault. Well, maybe let's do a bonus episode about that someday. Sign up, sign up for our Patreon if you want our <laughs> bonus episodes. Okay, so they get their Hogwarts letters, and 
Harry gets his, doesn't miss a thing, d- that Dumbledore. He knows nope. that Harry is at the Weasleys. Um kind of stalkerish a little bit. <laughs> it's the same with the letter that came instantly after Dobby used the curse. It's like, there's some really quick communications here. Oh, yeah. Like, that was not flown there by Owl. Like, this Owl took a port key. So they get their letters and they get their school lists. Um, and it's like... Standard Book of Spells Grade 2, which I'm pretty sure is the textbook that literally every other teacher shares. And then there's seven Gilderoy Lockhart books. Well, like, yep. they they do have other textbooks, usually. Like, I think there's it, usually, I, like, a potions book, like, Grade 2, Grade 3. Like, there's usually literally any others, but I, I feel like charms. some of the bitterness of the teachers towards Lockhart this year is probably because, like, well, the students can't possibly afford all of their school books, so y- y'all are just going to have to make do. So I thought maybe their books from from the first year, like, carried them through. But you, you so you think you think that they just got boxed out of the budget? I, yeah, honestly, I think they might have. Wow. Have college professors that made you buy their own books? I mean, Yeah. Like, that was something I was wondering about. Like, the Weasleys are talking, um, you know, not long after the lists come in about, like, how the hell are we going to afford this? Like, at the very least, the twins can share, right? Like, most of the kids can share. Yeah, that's true. And we did do that in college. And to answer your question, yes, Professor Land, my Algebra for Idiots teacher, because I'm an idiot, and I was doing (laughs) a liberal arts degree in college, she was like, why are you all such idiots? And why don't you understand algebra? And she would always be like, <laughs> well, I wrote the book. So I guess I do understand this. It's like, it's not your fault that you're good at math, dude. But you can do it in a way that doesn't make you look like a straight up cunt. <laughs> yeah, well, fuck him. Right, Just right <laughs> off the bat. Seven books. Do, I, like, for some of my literature classes, you would have to buy, like, the books. And, you know, you'd have to buy all the different recommend, like, books that you were going to study that semester but it was never more than like three or four novels right yeah and i wonder if he's charging like textbook prices for these i don't know what version you guys have of the book but the version of that i have the portrait of gilderoy lockhart at the beginning of the chapter is choice <laughs> is it is the classic scholastic one he's got is like it, a nigel it... thornberry nose yeah and, like, yeah this one mouth. yeah yep. yeah that dude <laughs> He does look like Nigel Thornberry. Holy shit. (laughs) (laughs) I've always said that, like, I never had a crush on Gilderoy Lockhart until he was Kenneth Branagh. Because I fucking love Kenneth Branagh. He's so sexy and I just love him. He makes perfect sense as Kenneth Branagh. I know. I know. I just, like, I love a blonde man who can do, like, poetry and Shakespeare. Mm. Oh, yeah. Like, I wouldn't fuck. I wouldn't fuck Kenneth Branagh's Lockhart because I would never fuck any Lockhart because he just, he would just. Well, like, he's the kind of guy who might, like, low-key be a virgin, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's true. I think the thing with Bronn is Lockhart is just, it made me understand, like, why people in this universe are so attracted to him, because definitely growing up, like, I would look at this picture, like, from the Scholastic, <laughs> and be like, why? I don't... <laughs> and, like, granted, I, granted, it turns out I'm, you know, gay-adjacent, but, like, still. Like, <laughs> we'll give you I a strong 96% gay. There you go. Like I can, I can appreciate the male face, the male form, and I mean, especially like, a beautiful man, right? And like that's <laughs> this isn't a beautiful man to me. This is this is weird. This is this looks like a toothpaste commercial. And like <laughs> Kenneth Branagh, I get it. Okay, I get it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. He's very sexy. Oh man, Kenneth Branagh in Henry V. Kenneth Branagh in Much Ado About Nothing. 
let's keep listening. No, 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 we don't have to. But um, <laughs> he was also like, funny in the role. That, that's what I really liked about it. Yeah, a lot he of comedy in this. Yeah, he turned it into like like more of a caricature somehow than it like is in the books. He's just so performative, and also like those stupid little outfits he wears are so good. <laughs> His ascots, and- so so cute. He classed just- the character up though, like I. It- like yeah. his dueling outfit that's a legitimately sexy <laughs> outfit i would wear that i would wear that oh so yeah what we're looking at is an example of a perfectly executed character which really stands in stark contrast with nearly headless nick oh man <laughs> that was it by the way that yeah was the i know well done well done well done, so Ravenclaw. well done, Ravenclaw. Well done, Ravenclaw. I don't that know what a- I was more insulted by was the joke or the fact that you came after John Cleese like that. <laughs> okay, John Cleese did a great job. Like, the stance of this podcast is... <laughs> more nearly headless Nick, for sure. I'm still oh. incredibly pissed that they missed the death day. And I know. All that. Oh, He's so man. vital. Yeah. I'm really excited to read that. I have like, God, I, I, I love, I love like rereading these books and getting, it's almost like a surprise that I hid for myself. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. when you find like weed, you forgot you stashed and you're just like, Oh, um, so I like, haven't read the actual books in a long time, but when I am, when I am reading it, it's Stephen Fry's voice reading the non-dialogue text. Oh yeah. If you listen to Stephen Fry's audiobooks ever. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's absolutely what I read it as. Like, that's my internal voice. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Everybody has, like, a really strong feeling about which audiobook is the best, and none of them. I mean, there's there's definitely not a resounding um, preference. What's, what best. am I trying to say? Majority? What? I guess so. It's <laughs> What's still the word? pretty evenly. <laughs> pretty evenly. There's no real preference. I only know of Stephen Fry, so I've only listened to him. There's the other one. You know, the other one. <laughs> you know, the other one. There's the like British the fa- guy. There's the like one other one. The other one? <laughs> Obviously. I'm, <laughs> I'm not a big e- um, audiobooks person, and I happen to just only know Stephen Fry from reading his own books. Oh, you know him from books. Oh, I know him from books. Oh, of course you would know him from books. Well, that's where I know everybody. I know him from Fry and Lori. I was going to say, being an educated young lad, I know him from Fry and Lori. Thank what you very much. What even is that? From being a huge British it's an, Oh, it's an amazing British comedy. It was uh, Hugh Laurie and Stephen Fry. Oh, that Laurie. I was like, yeah. Laurie Lawlin. Laughlin. Now, if you see some of the clips from, um, it, it's like late 20s, early 30s, Hugh Laurie, and he was handsome. Oh. Mm-hmm. You thought House was handsome? Yeah. I I didn't, but I'm sure somebody did. <laughs> really? Yeah. I House was good looking. I got your back, Daniel. Huh. Thank you, I appreciate it. I don't know why. He's right up my alley, just like a dick with like a nice brain on him. <laughs> Uh huh. Yep. House is like my mom's type, by which I mean he looks a lot like my dad. Oh, uh. Mm. That's my problem with Adam Sandler. I don't know enough to comment on that. Mm. My mom has a very specific type. It's like it's like Hugh Laurie, um, Nathan Fillion. Like I mean, it, like, Nathan very Fillion much, is undeniable. It's, it's very much like there's a very common thread in like the dudes that my mom is into. That's all I'm saying. Gotcha. <laughs> A way to go, Bridget. I love that we invoke your mom more than, like, any other I'm gonna invoke mom. my mom in this chapter fucking discussing Molly Weasley. Yeah, okay. Well, that's fair, because Mary Payton's mom was on for, um, 
the last last chapter. Well, the last chapter. It was just one last. Um, all right, all right, all right, all right. The whole my note is the whole damn book list is Gildor fucking Lockhart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Seven books, dude. That's insane. Even like best case scenario, that's over a hundred dollars, like per. Um, and oh. we learned. Oh, sorry. I I had a note about the Gilderoy Lockhart kind of names. Um, you know how it's alliterative, like oh, yeah. uh, gadding with ghouls and holidays with hags. Um, this might be a deep pool. Did any of you guys read the Bailey School Kids as oh, a kid? I have to like Google the cover. Maybe a little. So it took me a while to get the name of the Bailey School Kids, but it's like mummies don't coach softball. Yes, like, yes, yeah. yes. Yep. That was the image that conjured <gasps> up in my head. That like connected neurons in my brain that haven't fired in like twenty years. I'm like, oh, oh. my god. Yeah. Mine oh my god, was. totally. I totally remember these. Yep. Oh my god, I'm gonna I read these to after I'm finished find. with Sideways Stories from Wayside School. I have to find my collection and hope that I still have them for my future kid. Oh my god, that's awesome. Okay, 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 okay. Okay. I'm saying there's no black. Okay, 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 And you can quote him. So we learned that Ginny is starting at Hogwarts this year. Um, did anyone else when they were a kid? Well, I don't know about you, Haley, because you had them red tea. But I was, when I was a kid, I definitely pronounced it Guinea because I'm an idiot. And maybe because we had a guinea pig, I got confused. <laughs> no, it, it was Ginny with my mom. Same thing with Dobie. Like, um, in a couple episodes ago, someone joked. Oh, you joked, Andrew. Like, are we pronouncing it Dobie and Grace? And I were both like. Oh yeah, we both used to call him Dobie. Kids yeah, are just stupid, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know how to read. I was eight. Well, they are also said- weird names. Like, yeah. yeah, wouldn't have had any like reference point. Yeah, I think I've said this before, but one of the benefits that I had with reading Harry Potter is I would often ask my dad questions about how the names are pronounced. My dad has a very good knowledge of both British history and like classical history, so. He was the one who like instantly knew Hermione. He's the one who instantly knew Ginny, like all of that stuff he was able to help me out with. But it also kind of sucked because then when the movies came out, it was just like, yes, that is the way you say the name. I didn't ever yeah. have that moment of like, what? No. <laughs> well, luckily, I mean, like now I'm like a linguist and I'm like, yeah, English seems chaotic, but you can usually rely on it for like certain things and like, and no, no, her, like, no interpretation of that name should be Dobie. I'm open to be wrong. <laughs> okay. So also, um, at this, they're all sitting at breakfast and because they got because they got their Hogwarts letters and they're chit chatting about it. Um, we also get um Ron's response from Hermione. He apparently they've been talking all some like it's really good for us to learn, and I'm sure it's really awesome for Harry to learn too that people have been worried about him this whole time, that they thought, he kind of thought they maybe were ignoring him, and it's like, no, they've been like talking about him. And everyone has that touch point of like, hey, what the fuck, did you not get my letters? Yeah. Yeah. Even Hagrid did, which he didn't get in the film. He's like, hey, I tried writing to you. (laughs) Are you mad at me? I feel like Hagrid's like literally be like, Harry, are you mad at me? Hagrid would be like, oh, we you leave me on red? <laughs> you leave me on red. Oh man, that's a bad, yep. I love that Hermione's red. <laughs> I love that Hermione's letter is like all in run-on sentences. It's like you can the way tell she that talks. A little bit, but like usually you would think that like a kid like her who's like very 
like she's she's the kid who is trying to be a grown up. She's trying to be very like upright and like what's the word? Can, the word there's a word that starts with the letter precocious. Yeah, precocious. precocious yeah. yeah, yeah. She's very precocious, so you would think she would write like very formally, and she kind of does. But there's a very obvious note of anxiety in this that I just love. I also love the sign off. Love from Hermione. Aww. Yeah, so sweet. I also, very well crafted. Love from Hermione. Yes. Not saying I love you, but not, I'm sending my love, love your from way. the ether. <laughs> I also just feel like Hermione was like, should I rewrite this? It's kind of messy. Oh, it's fucking Ron. Who cares? <laughs> well, well, also, it's Ron and like he's about to do something fucking illegal. So time of time is of the essence. <laughs> also, if the letter even gets there, because Hermione must have seen the state of Errol and just been like, what the fuck? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> She's the, like, all of this is stupid. I'm Errol running half-cocked like, here. Errol is like the Le- Weasleys running like 56k dial-up, you know? <laughs> you got a fucked up bird. Like, you know you need an upgrade, but like it technically works, so we're just gonna use it. I love that, what is it, Percy just sat on the owl and just like, oh, hang on. Something yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, so, so, we... We hear that Hermione's going to Diagon Alley, and Mrs. Weasley's like, oh, cool, let's go when she's going, which is the complete opposite of my childhood experiences, where I'm like, mommy, please, can we do this thing? Can my friends get me there? Can we please go? She's like, oh, that doesn't mess, let's not go with our schedule, and like, I don't like their parents. It's like, please, can I please? So Mrs. Weasley's just like, yeah, that sounds fun, let's go. I love um, Mrs. Weasley so much. Yeah, she's very she's much the my best friend. She's mom. such an angel. There's a really I'm reading the um, Bloomsbury Illustrated editions, and there's like a really tender picture of her with Ron in the movies because because of the nature of movies, and also because it's actors who don't know each other. You don't you don't get that. Can you oh, see it? So just like yeah, just like oh. the body language is like so motherly. I know she's like helping him read the letter. You know, like I just. I love her so much. So I, I hope she's more going it over, going over it with him than helping him read it. He's well, 12. you know, <laughs> I, you know what I mean. Helping him <laughs> comprehend it, perhaps. So, 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 so a needle pulling thread. So they decide to go to Diagon Alley, but that's on Wednesday. Today is today. What day is it? It's today. So. The boys go to practice Quidditch in a nearby paddock, which is for horses, but there's no horses in it, right? It's, it's, not a, it's a it's a it's fenced a grassy field. area. Yeah, just the kind of shit. Trees. The kind of shit you see in Otteries Saint Catchpole. Yeah, they used apples. Yeah, it says because you know Muggles might get the like you know Quidditch balls, but I think it's just because they're too poor to afford a set of actual Quidditch balls. That's also very possible. They're probably pretty expensive to be honest. Yeah. Um, they gotta be bewitched, and then you have, even if they did have a set of Quidditch balls, they would probably be all wonky, and like, the snitch well, doesn't really go higher than five Well, feet. I mean, of, yeah. <laughs> of the four balls, like, only three are enchanted, because the Quaffle is basically just a soccer ball, so you could yeah. just throw a soccer ball around, but like, the beaters and the, or the the bludgers and the snitch, yeah. Because they're both beaters. They need to be practicing with beaters. Yeah, right. that's true. I, I guess maybe they're just, like, chucking apples at each other. trying, And then just, like, them. trying to bat them out of the air. <laughs> well, correct me if I'm wrong, but Haley, one of the future books doesn't... Don't they have a set of Quidditch uh, balls? I, don't I feel like so. they play... They Not have that to I have remember. Quidditch uh, later on. Like, I know that the they wedding, practice... At the wedding thing. Oh, like a pickup game of Quidditch? Yeah. Maybe... 
Yeah, I maybe actually. That. I kind of it's remember it's that. Because it's Bill, Charlie, uh, the twins. It, it's like oh, a, yeah. it's before the wedding. I'm pretty sure they have. Yeah. A I think word. I think they do it, but I think they I think they improvise a little bit because they don't have equal okay. teams anyway. Guys, don't yeah. worry. We'll get there in like three years. It'll be fun. Yeah. <laughs> Put a pin in it. Put a pin in it. We'll bring Daniel. We'll settle back this on. in three uh, years, yeah, Andrew. Yeah. I'll come back for Fleur's wedding. <laughs> <laughs> Everything I've ever dreamed of. Yep. <laughs> so. Th- all the boys go to play to practice Quidditch, but Percy declines, and we get a little bit of the hot gossip. Percy has not been himself this summer. He's been mm. locked away in his room, which I'm like, he's jerking it, um, which is probably <laughs> true. But, I mean, we learn later, all spoilers all the time, we mm. learn later that it's because of Penelope Clearwater, his new girlfriend. But, I mean, I think... J- that bitch wants you to think that he's like writing letters or like gazing at pictures. But, like, I think he's just masturbating. Constantly. No, it's it, this is wizard sexting. This is what they have. Well, and I he just, has his own owl. I Hang just on, thought of this. Oh, yeah, he does have his own owl. I kind of he does have his own that. owl. Okay, wait, we're hold, on, hold on, we're holding on a second. There's like crazy storm outside. Hang on. So is it okay? Tell, well, I couldn't tell if it was like very strong wind or loud thunder, but like. The windows were rattling for a significant amount of time. That's alarming. Well, for what it's um, worth, if as long as your house is okay, we can't hear it. But if you need to defend your home, <laughs> that was my first concern. But I'm glad that it didn't pick up on the microphone. No, bad boy, <laughs> go away, go away. It's always the cat. There he is. Don't you touch this fucking dress? Okay. Yeah. Sorry. I don't. That storm was crazy. It was just, like rattling in the windows, so I was a bit concerned. Is it gone? Yeah, it stopped. <laughs> well, feel free to take breaks whenever you need to. <laughs> Will do. I, I think I'm good for now. Okay. All right, Andrew, you had the the floor. So I, I don't know if y'all realize this, but you just opened up a terrible, t- terrible realm of reality where wizards are getting moving photographs. Ooh. That can see what's going on around them. <laughs> so that oh, no. poor, poor photograph is sent with the most innocent of intentions and has to watch Percy from the chest up, That's just just going at it, just getting all <laughs> flustered for no real reason. And no. no. Wait, wait, wait. This is almost as mind blowing as when she who must not be named revealed that ancient wizards used to just poop and magic it away. (laughs) Wait, that's what I was about to say. Wait, wait. That's what I was about to say is you don't need the sock because you can just vanish it. But what if you vanish your dick? (laughs) You're not going to vanish your dick. But no, no you might. You might. You might. Eloise Midget. It. No, no. Think about Eloise Midget, who oh. vanished her own nose trying to get rid of her acne. You might do it. It can happen. Okay, so it's worth having to clean up the jizz. Yeah, it is. Percy, Percy, don't be a hero. I, I shot. I oh, shot yeah, Scorgify. vanish the towel. Yeah, I shot Scorchify at enough. Uh, enough people in those Harry Potter video games. It's fine. It's a light duty spell. It just removes the stains. They'll be good. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> Percy! Percy's like, Mom, I really must start doing my own laundry. Can you teach me how to take stains out? But hang on, can you imagine getting caught by the underage wizard community? You recently received intelligence that 36 vanishing spells were used in your house on the night of August 16th. I want you to tell me the events that led to this. I don't think you do. (laughs) 
there will be no really, I'll just take the punishment. We know what's going on. Oh Jesus Christ! Oh, oh my God! He. Oh my God, Percy! <laughs> and it's funny because he's concept. like he's so like serious and somber, and he takes himself so seriously. So. Which means he's repressed. He's, repressed. he's a repressed Englishman. You yep. know what they're like. Penelope <laughs> could be a dominatrix name. I'm just saying, like. <laughs> Penelope is fully doming him. Get your head out of the sand, Christina. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like it's just in like a... Like Sticks a and stones of- may do break his bones, but chains and whips excite him. <laughs> I think she would yes, dom Mistress him. Penelope. I think she would dom him in like a cunty way and like not a very sexy, fun way. Yeah. Everyone has their first toxic relationship. <laughs> I like to think that Penelope's a good girl. Okay, but let's move on. Let's move on from Percy flogging his log. <laughs> Where even was I in my notes? Okay. Um la 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 la. La 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 la. So George so Fred and George are like doing the hot gossip. They're like, oh my god, did you hear that Percy is probably in his room masturbating? Well, it, actually, we inadvertently <laughs> brought up another good point too, which is that we keep hearing about all these bangs and stuff coming from uh, <gasps> Fred and George's room. <laughs> oh, but in the Fred very <laughs> earlier in the same book, Harry got a re- like a official notice about another creature casting a spell. So what the hell are Fred and George doing that's not magical this- enough to set that off? This is part of the official lore. I think it actually is, like, does come up in, like, book seven when, like, they're dealing with the trace. Um, so with kids and, like, no adult got it. Right. So, like, with kids who live in, like, muggle households, the trace is really important because you don't want, like, other, you don't want, like, the muggle neighbors. Like, maybe your parents know, but, like, Hermione's neighbors, if they find out that they live next door to a witch, that's a problem. Um, Same with Harry. But, like, with kids from wizarding households, they kind of just give up because the trace isn't on, like your wand or you it's on your house it's on your property so it's like just left up to the wizarding parents to prevent their kids from doing unauthorized magic which like the weasleys have so many fucking kids there's not a whole lot they can really do to stop them well luckily it seems like at least ron doesn't give a shit about that kind of stuff like mostly mostly they don't like mostly they just are they fear the wrath of molly weasley rightfully so but like fred and george definitely do start like just doing magic in their room and they don't care at one point and i feel like percy would um break that rule in order to study the same way that some kids might get um like a fake id so they can vote sooner Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah it also gets it also gets around that question of homework because how can you do homework at home? The parents probably will it's let all them do the spellcasting homework. homework. It's all written homework. They're no, because that would kids. leave that would leave the Muggle-born kids at a disadvantage if they can't like practice spell work at home. And God I, knows, schools never leave yeah. any children at disadvantages. <laughs> we specifically don't leave them behind here in the U.S. Oh my God! Mm. Shut up! We were both listening to that behind the bastards podcast today. Okay, okay, let's move on. Let's move on because we're still at the Weasleys. We got other places to go. So, oh my God. Dante moved my fucking screen again. Okay. So then they, so that also throughout this whole thing, George specifically, for some reason, George keeps bringing up money. He's, he brings it up twice out of two times. Um, and the first time Molly's like, Oh, shut up. We'll manage classic. But then the second time he's like whispering it on the Quidditch pitch. And he's like, yo, we're, we're poor as fuck. It's going to be really hard. Um, and Harry's just like, awkward, I'm a trust fund baby, I have so yeah. much money, you will never take it from me. I feel like between Fred and George, George is the pragmatist. 
Yeah. Like, like they are distinct characters as much as we think of them as a unit. Like Fred is kind of the more like chaotic one. And George is a little bit more of like a mastermind, which means that George thinks a little bit more about consequences and also a little bit more about money. Well, and I think this is also a little bit of foreshadowing to one of the big events of the next book, which is giving the money to start with Weasley. Weasley. That's the fourth. Next, next book. That's, Oh yeah, well shit, maybe not. Because I was thinking it could be something that they're already, if we know they're already putting together these items, there's no way they're not thinking about the money aspect. They're probably already thinking about it. I think they are, yeah. Yeah. Um, It's just they they get serious about it in book four. Yeah, they test it out on themselves for a long time before they ever start testing it out on other people. George is definitely the worried accountant at their business. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Totally. Fred's just having a great time in R&D, blowing stuff up. Yeah, he's like, we'll figure it out. We're going to pay for it. (laughs) Okay, so, so, so. So, so the Weasleys wake up early on Wednesday um, to go to Diagon Alley and classic, classic, classic scene, the flu powder. I love this. So I have a question for you guys. Do you think she was setting up this joke from like day one for diagonally? <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't said in the book. It was said in the movie. But was, do you really think she set it up like from day one? She's like, I got it. Oh, no, it was, I think this is very, very deliberate. Um, I don't think it was to set up this joke, but I think that, like, the name itself is the joke. Yeah. Like, she, eventually, because that's, that's, it's such, like, classic British wordplay of, like, wait, Ally, as in Ally, a. It's kind of the same thing as the Mirror of Era said, where, like, we're 30, so we're like, Ugh, it's kind of stupid, but, like, as an eight-year-old, you'd be like, Oh my god, it's desire backwards! I'm a genius! Oh oh my gosh. (laughs) Yeah, but I I definitely didn't get the Diagon Alley joke until the movie came out. And he was like, Diagon Alley! (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, not like the movie, in the book, Harry chokes on some ash, which to me is like a way better explanation other than just not talking no good. If if everyone's like, you need to talk real good, why are you going to not talk no good that was the one thing that frustrated me about that scene in the movie so like, stupid where did, where did it come from like does it really cost you extra time to be like him choking on ash yeah and then um i also kind of like i think it's funny that like um mr and mrs weasley even though they're like they're so smart and they're so compassionate and they're like really they're like really trying to do do harry right you know they still are like <laughs> You don't know about flu powder? Oh my god. Like, like, I thought you would know about flu powder. I'm an idiot. Like, they just, like, things, even for them as adults, these things are, like, so mundane that it's like, it's like, oh, yeah, I guess you would have no idea what this is. I okay. Guess it's the opposite of, like, how Arthur feels about muggles. It's like, ooh, what's this? Like, a muggle would be like, what's flu powder? What's this? Yeah. And then they're like, it's an everyday thing obviously yeah. we travel by chimneys which well, is some weird santa ass vibes yeah and even more than an everyday thing it's a burden because they're like we have to buy more yeah um and it's probably i mean i think that we don't i think we learned this later because i think in the last chapter they were like in the garden and then when they come in um mr weasley is just home but in later books, we learned that that's how he commutes to work and stuff. So it's like paying for gas, basically. And it's a burden. I think we all know that paying for gas is a huge burden. Hopefully it's a little easier on the environment. Yeah. 
So he chokes on the ash, he says it's stupid, and he gets sucked away. It's, quote, as though he is being sucked down a giant plug hole, which I think is some pretty good imagery. Yeah. Um, he bonks around, he sees a lot of different fireplaces, which freaks me out because I personally have fucked in front of a fireplace. <laughs> That's what freaks you out. I have two, but not with the intention of it being in front of a fireplace. Yeah, but like it happens. People fuck in front of fireplaces all the time. Yeah. I guess Sometimes maybe there's like... a bearskin rug, and you just think, why not? <laughs> no, I guess maybe like because I'm I guess... like, are you facing the fireplace and just like really intently looking at the fireplace? That's it's a metaphor of... for passion, okay? <laughs> yeah, you look at the fireplace. I guess you, like, wouldn't fuck in front of the fireplace if you knew your fireplace was hooked up to the flute network. I guess that's what it is. Yeah, because no one ever fucks in front of windows. Settings. Or you specifically do that because that's your fetish. Mm, uh, yeah. But if he's 12. They don't care. Yeah, the, like people who expose themselves in public do not care who sees them, just as long as someone sees them. I think voyeurism and exposing yourself are two completely different things. <laughs> are they though? Yes. There's consensual voyeurism, and then yes. there's exposing yourself. That's what but I'm they saying. They are both very much a voyeurism kink. Oh yeah. my god, voyeurism sounds so classy, doesn't it? Like, oh, yeah, I'm a mm, voyeurism. It's a French Voyeur. word. Yeah. It's French. <laughs> I'm going to hide in your bushes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Um, so then he disappears somewhere, falls out of the fireplace in a large, dimly lit wizard shop. He knows right away that he's at least in a wizard shop, so that's cool. Um, he looks outside. The street is definitely not diagonally. Um, that's all he's got. And he's like, fuck. Fuck, fuck, fuck. I gotta go. This is weird. This is creepy. But the second he thinks that Draco Malfoy appears on the other side of the shop window. And Harry, realizing that he looks all dirty and confused with his crush so nearby, hides out of embarrassment. Right? That's how that goes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Are you big uh, Draco and Harry shipper? Um, uh, I, I never have been before, but upon this reading, I just, like, why are it you just so obsessed with each other? Why are you so obsessed like, with both each other? of you? <laughs> and I would like to he does read him a lot. I would like to read a quote. Um, so, so it's Draco and his dad. They come inside. It gets annoying because they're both Malfoys now, and it's like Malfoy, Malfoy. Who's the Malfoy? <laughs> so Harry hides in a large black cabinet. That's the vanishing cabinet, right? The broken yes, one. Yes, it is. It was different in the movie because he kind of hides in a um, like a cupboard. What's it? No, what's it called with the um, spikes on the inside? An Iron oh, Maiden. Oh, yeah, it was an Iron Maiden. Yeah, he, he definitely hid an Iron Maiden in, in the second movie. Because I had to, I remember pausing the movie and telling my wife, I'm like, you know, Iron Maidens weren't actually like a real torture device, right? That it, That's really ballsy because it's like, it's little emo hair is like, I would rather die accidentally <laughs> in an Iron Maiden than be seen by Draco Malfoy at this time. <laughs> yeah, also... I think my movie had deleted scenes in it because this upcoming scene with Mr. Borgen and them talking about like Malfoy's trying to like launder his muggle goods and his poisons that I don't remember that being in the movie, but in my cut of the movie, it was in there. Oh, interesting. Yeah, there is, I, there is a deleted scene that fleshes out Borgen and Burks. I, I, I just I distinctly remember that. Yeah, I got my harry potter from not too reputable sources so it was like a two hour and 54 minute cut oh that's funny so yeah. i think it had all the deleted scenes in it because i watched it 
the other day. I'm like, I don't remember this. Well, that's fun. Yeah. A little surprise for you. Yeah. That's not usually how not so reputable movies go. Usually it's like, ah, crap, it's in Dutch. That's not right at all. <laughs> um, Andrew and Haley are both laughing because they come to movie night at my house and it happens all the time. It does. Oh. <laughs> um, so, man, my notes say, God, they are so in love. Okay, so here's my quote. <laughs> here's my quote. Harry Potter got a Nimbus 2000 last year. Special permission from Dumbledore so he could play for Gryffindor. He's not even that good. It's just because he's famous. Famous for having a stupid scar on his forehead. Everyone thinks he's so smart. Wonderful Potter with his scar and his broomstick. And then so cold. You have told me this at least a dozen times already. (laughs) (laughs) Obsessed. Absolutely. He's obsessed. He's been talking to his dad the whole summer about how great and annoying Harry Potter is. Yeah. This would be like, and remember, this is a fucking Malfoy. This would be like if one of Sam Walton's grandchildren was sitting there going, they only like him because he's famous. Like <laughs> Andrew likes to make a lot of references that I don't always understand. But the wonderful thing about running a podcast is I can just pretend I know what he's talking about and look it up later. According to Wikipedia, Sam Walton, who passed away in 1992, was an American businessman and entrepreneur best known for founding the retailers Walmart and Sam's Club. Walmart Stores Inc. grew to be the world's largest corporation by revenue as well as the biggest private employer in the world. For a period of time, Walton was the richest man in America. And all of the photographs of him that exist feature him wearing a hat that looks kind of like a MAGA hat, but it just says Walmart, which is kind of kind of the same kind of shitty hat, right? This kid has so much money and power, and yet he's like, they don't know my name. It's because he's oh. a love dude. He is. It's, it's like, it goes from like, I hate you, to like, I want to be you, to like, I want to be inside of you. Like, that's the progression. Yeah. It's that Hollywood Undead song. I love you, I hate you. <laughs> I don't. I don't. Is that the one? I don't. There's a Hollywood Undead song that a reference fell flat. Oh well, we'll never know. Um, (laughs) um, This love, this hate is the name of the song. I believe you. I love you. You made me hate me. You gave me. I have a question about Mm -hmm. this scene. What would have happened if Lucius Malfoy had been the one to find Harry? What would he have done? Oh yeah, I think like, he like considering what he is planning to do this year. I was, what would he do in this? Wait, year? like hold I was on. About real to quick, say, would he recognize him? But then obviously, like strangers recognize him. Real quick, real quick. It, does Lucius find him before listing all the stuff he's trying to offload, or mm. after? I think that's an important distinction. That is true. Because if it's like, after, also, I think he'd have to, like, kill him. <laughs> right. But, but, like, also he's 12 and, like, Lucius Malfoy does not have a very high opinion, I think, of 12-year-olds because he has he has Draco to deal with. So, like, he, his frame of reference is, like, like dumb, hormone-addled little moron. There's no way he'd kill him straight up in public. No, like, I he, know. Would he yeah. get away with it? Like, how would he handle this? I'm just, it's torturing so, me. I, I think, <laughs> oh, I think you're Kaylee the boy the... that Draco keeps talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I get you're it, a lot you're less cute. better. Let me tell you, he's my world, and I don't mind going back to Azkaban if he gets hurt. <laughs> well, I, I think, I think to answer your question, Haley, Lucius is a coward. I don't think he would have done anything. I think. 
the, yeah. in fact, referencing the future, I think he would have obliviated him. I mm. think he would have made oh, him yeah, just forget everything about, about it, that. throw him out on the street. But I also think, uh, Christina, I think you're more right than you even realize. Cause I think that his whole thing about later on about blood still means something to me. I think he's heard a uh, little Draco talking a little too much about Harry. It needs to remind him that I don't care if you're with a guy, I don't care if you're with a girl, but you're not bringing home anything less than a full blood. Oh my god. Mm. A weird wizarding racism. Gay is okay, but God forbid you end up with anything less than full blood. That's it. I don't care if he's a potter. He's still half half (laughs) mud blood. Do you think Lucius would have been okay if Draco was gay for a pure blood for real? The fact that no Death Eater ever brings up a single thing against Dumbledore being gay makes me think yes. Nobody actually knows that Dumbledore's gay, though. That's like a fake we thing that J.K. That. Rowling did I, to try I to... Think, we, don't know think, that, we don't know that no one knows. I think yeah, we have to assume outfits. no one knows. I and People would know from his outfits. I don't agree. <laughs> I don't well, agree. Number, does, does Draco... I don't think Draco ever makes any, like... I could be wrong here, but it's not something that brings up any of my mind, like any homophobic remarks towards Ron and Harry. No, because no. that's just not the kind of book it is, though. You know what I mean? But that, but that's also not the kind of bully he is. That, right. Well, and like, why would you call a kid gay if you can just keep reminding him that his mom's dead for seven years? That's true. I mean, as as someone who was a hate-filled teenage boy, because... You hurt them any way you can. I like, just want to get a reaction out of him. I just exactly. want him to notice me. I just want him to notice me. Yeah. No, so, I feel like Draco would be a bratty top. Okay. <laughs> I, I follow an Instagram account called Draco is a top, and I recommend it. <laughs> I, I did disagree, but I respect your opinion. Just kind of my vibe. I think between Harry and Draco, Draco is a top. Let's move know. on. <laughs> I'm the worst about him. Um, I'll take go to Twitter and take our Twitter poll. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do anyway, think that just means that on the day that this episode drops, if someone subscribed to our Twitter feed, they're just going to see a poll asking if Harry is a or if Draco is a top. It'll and they're gonna be like, it's gonna be a real interesting episode. I, have you have you I looked definitely... at our Twitter? Like that's really normal. <laughs> okay, so just I I think that whomstever said that Lucius would obliviate Harry is correct. Um, that was Andrew. I, I think that I think he would have immediately ceased all of what he was doing, right? I think he would have put the shit away, he would have told Borgen to fuck off, and he would have been like, Mal- like, Draco watch, this is how you do it. And he would have obliviated Harry, and then he would have I think he would have been like Borgen, get this kid out of here. But Draco can't keep his fucking mouth shut. That's why he's not told about the plot at Hogwarts. Yeah. Well, and once again, I think, I think this is another sign of Lucius kind of without giving it away. They're, they're, he's showing the fact that they are radicalizing their child. Mm. Because the fact that like he's so anti-Harry and he's so anti-Dumbledore and... Lucius has to remind him, like, I, it's not a good thing to be known to be against Harry Potter. He's the one who took down the Dark Lord. Yes. It's the same way that racists will talk to their kids and be like, no, 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 we don't say that at school. Yeah. Because people don't, you know, yeah, his, people his are choice, lied to. His choice of words is very 
very obvious here. Like, I would remind you, it is not prudent to appear less than fond of Harry Potter. Translated to racist. Cletus, you can't be saying that <laughs> shit in public. That's exactly yeah. the kind of hedging language we use when our recordings are going technologically well and we don't want <laughs> any issues to yeah, come up. Yeah, that's that Persian, <laughs> that's that Persian poetry shit. The Persian poetry. <laughs> um, so... Okay, so, but, okay, so that doesn't happen, right? They don't find Harry. <laughs> right, right. So, I, Lucius... Take a quick detour real quick. Uh, That's what we're here of, for. The Hand of Glory oh, is yeah. an amazing D&D item. It's a, it's a pretty classic fantasy item, and I definitely also have encountered it in D&D. <laughs> oh, really? Because I hadn't encountered it before. I'm like, I really got to introduce that in my campaign. Oh, hell yeah. I, what hands? I, I do also have a note about the Hand of Glory. Thank you for reminding me. In book six, when, when Draco lets the Death Eaters in, like, this is a huge, like, plot hole in the books that, like, has been noted. It's, like, he, it's not only that he has a Hand of Glory, because he does have a Hand of Glory, it's that, like, the others know about it. Like, like, Ginny, I think, is the one who says, like, yeah, he came in with that Hand of Glory he has, like... When the fuck did he get a hand of glory? Apparently here, like I, I'm guessing it's this one, but like yeah. it's never mentioned in any of the rest of the books that Draco has obtained a hand of glory and that other people know that he has a fucking hand of glory. Interesting. I never noted that before. Yeah, it's a thing. We know that he doesn't get it now, and we know that his main thing he's thinking about is Harry is hoping that that uh, cabinet has a hole of glory instead of a hand. Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, I get one. Nice. Is the Hand of Glory also the thing that grabs Harry and it scares the shit out of young No, people? that's like a stupid movie interpretation of like, <laughs> what if this hand could grab you too? It did scare me as a kid. Well, no, yeah, it's, just, it's just a candle. You put a candle in it and like it's, it, you will, only you see the light, everyone else sees dark. Which is also, very cool. Also, Borgen and Burks in the Harry Potter world is awesome. Mm. Yeah. Oh, he meant Harry Potter world, not just, like, the world of the Harry Potter books. Sorry, Daniel, I have been there. Can confirm, cool as book. It's definitely, like, one of those creepy old, like, flea markets you wind up at, and you're, like, I'm, like, a little afraid, but also, like, really intrigued. Um, That's also where all the most expensive merch is. Yeah, always. (laughs) Yeah, everything is cursed. I was at, like, um... I was in South Dakota at like a quote Indian like flea market situation and uh, there was a lot of like native stuff and I was like there everything in here is cursed. These yeah, are authentic. authentic. When did you get back from that? Um last night. I also bought Grace a souvenir from there, so <laughs> sorry Grace, it's cursed. <laughs> <laughs> so these these are authentic native made champion foot socks. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, definitely in South Dakota well. We already alienated Alabama. I don't know if we need to alienate South Dakota, too. I had a lovely time there. Yeah, and all four people there are really nice. (laughs) (laughs) That's real. I went there because we were like, what's the most socially distant vacation we could take right now? (laughs) Good idea. Let's go to the middle of fucking nowhere. Who's going to the Florida states now? No one. Yeah. Um... We also stopped in Wyoming, which, uh, according to the 2010 census, had more cows than humans, so... (laughs) That checks out. That's where we're going to put a pin in this episode, mostly because 
It's late in the evening and Dante is just really being quite insistent that I play with him at this time. I get it. It's been a long day. I sit at my desk a lot. So be sure to check back on Friday for the second part of At Flourish and Blots. Ta-ta for now. The Restricted Section was created and hosted by me, Christina Kahn, based on the book series by J.K. Rowling. All music by Ryan Kahn. Logo by Michael Hardison. Technical support from Sean Watson. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at RestrictedSectionPod or shoot us an email at RestrictedSectionPod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts, feelings, complaints, conspiracy theories, or lavish praise. So just as a reminder, I'm trying to get better about saying this. I've been recording this whole time. I Fine. If anyone at any point wants me to not include something you have to say, please do not include that thing. Um, you still might include it. Well, with you, I might. Because <laughs> you usually say bad jokes, and then you're like, wait, take that out. And I'm like, no. <laughs> oh, man. So we're going to be in competition then. Yeah. I'm going to make just as dumb jokes. Well, you need to practice your dad jokes, right? Cause, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because yeah. you're going to be a dad. Oh, my go. God. Well, wait, that's yeah. wait, 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 wait. They don't give you, like, a book of dad jokes, like, in the delivery <laughs> room when the child I, is born? I bet you they will. It's just a, some secret dad code that they won't tell you. It's like the Illuminati. Yeah, exactly. Once you get the baby, they have to like do the secret handshake and then slip a book in there with the dad. <laughs> yeah, yeah.